How's it going, everybody? So today's podcast is a conversation I had with my dad a few days ago over coffee. And um, first, I'm going to play for you a clip from a book I've been going through, which is titled Goodbye Things, The New Japanese Minimalism. And so we're going to play a short clip from that, and then we're going to discuss it. Here's the clip. The $500 ring in the domestic car may look perfectly fine to others, but their owners are still tired of them and unhappy. This is because stimulants variances can only be felt inside us. As one example, let's take Keisuke Honda, a famous Japanese soccer player who suffered crushing defeats at the FIFA World Cup. Say he's sitting in his locker room totally depressed. I might approach him, put my hand on his shoulder, and say, Okay, you lost the match, but so what? Cheer up. You're still paid hundreds of millions, and you drive around in your cool Ferrari. You could retire right now and travel the world, and I'm sure you'd never have a problem finding a great job as a coach. You have no concerns about your future, right? Compare yourself with me. So brighten up already. There's no way that he'd be satisfied with comments like that, though, right? You can only make comparisons with your own stimulus levels. You can't notice variances from the stimuli of others. At his level, Honda can't be happy unless he wins his matches. The joy of victory only lasts three hours. People are known to get used to their stimuli terribly quickly. In an interview after Wimbledon in 1992, former world number one tennis player Andre Agassin said that he learned something that only few people are aware of. The joy of victory isn't nearly as strong as the despair you experience in defeat. And those happy feelings after winning are fleeting compared with how long you suffer from a crushing defeat. Tal Ben-Shahar, the popular Harvard lecturer in positive psychology, became Israeli national squash champion at the age of 16. His five years of six-hour daily practices paid off. But once he got home after the victory ceremony, he realized that the joy had worn off and he was left with a feeling of emptiness. He told people that the happiness lasted for only three hours. Only a handful of people get to experience the monumental joy of big achievements like these. And yet, even those few people quickly get used to such feelings of contentment. All right, real quick. So... Yeah, so a few ideas. I guess the first one being that the way that our our scale always moves, you know what I mean? That no matter what you've accomplished, you can always move the scale to, you know, to a place where you're a failure again. Mm -hmm. And if anything, uh, you know, life might escalate if you allow if you allow it to, you know what I mean? If you allow. Mm -hmm. And I guess I don't know how you wouldn't allow it. Maybe it is somewhat natural that no matter where you are, that that kind of reset happens but it's super important to remember as it pertains to going through life without envy without resentment uh mm -hmm. without any of those things is that no matter how uh you know how much you might look up to a person that their level of feeling okay is much higher uh and that they aren't necessarily you know their life isn't necessarily the way you think it might be but the, the main thing I wanted to play really is the second piece, which is the idea that even when you do accomplish a goal, that feeling that like high is is a very short lived feeling. And you know, to his point, for a, for a lot of people about three hours. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have like a key answer or anything like that. The more, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is that uh, as we go through and like structure our life and how we want our life to look and stuff like that, you know, that's a, that's a really important piece of information. Like how would we structure our life 
a little bit differently if we knew that every mountaintop was a, was a three-hour experience, you know what I mean? There's an old saying that, uh, just an old saying that, you know, we there, you climb the ladder of success and then when you get to the top, you want to make sure that the ladder's leaning on the right wall. Mm -hmm. If it's leaning against the wrong wall, then uh, then you achieve something that you thought was going to be greater than it really was. And I think, and then, you know, in the Christian circles I've been in all these years, it's that's where they talk about investing in the people, investing into other people and other people's success. And I think there's certainly some value to that is yeah, when you're setting that. those goals, make sure they involve lifting others, not just achieving something personally, just right. for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there, yeah, there's definitely a tendency of success or, or wealth or whatever that can just, that can isolate. I mean, yeah. let's take my success. If Bring I can think about right. it being transferred to you, my son, yeah. and then my grandson, like am I, I, here I am thinking about my will, I mean, I maybe I will my skid steer to, to River, my grandson. You know, I was thinking yeah. of my success being transferred. Yeah, there's I mean, a there's you know a piece I mean? in Jonathan Haidt's book, The Happiness Hypothesis, about the sort of brain side of the scripture that it's greater to give than to receive. I wish I knew we were going to talk about that because I would I would have uh, dug that up. But there's there's some stuff in that book about how uh, literally from kind of like a, a chemical uh, uh, aspect in your brain that. There is a certain kind of happiness that comes from uh, reproducing the best of what you have or, or giving what you have uh, that does not come from being given something you know what i mean and i think that either when you're really either when you're really down and out or when you're very young that seems totally that doesn't seem possible like when i would hear that verse as a kid or whatever that just seems like a lie that old people would tell you to get you to do what they wanted. You know and you're I mean? talking about the scriptures greater, greater to give than to receive. Give than to receive, yeah. Right, and I yep. think part of the reason it uh, seems so unreasonable as a kid is because when you don't know who you are, uh, I think it's actually very important that when you give, you give in in a way that is unique to you. Meaning you you mm -hmm. know you kind of know where you fit and you give in in line with the kind of shape that you have. Uh, and that that like knowing of the the shape that you have is a is a key part of feeling like yeah of the like happiness feeling you know what I mean it's yeah. not that necessarily just that all sacrifice uh, makes you feel great but that when you contribute in a way that uh, that only you could that that is a much different feeling I want to mention one other thing and uh, and that is like this a lot of times. Um, maybe at, at the at the core of like what we all deal with is something that me and you talk a lot about, which is this just like gray feeling of sort of insignificance that I'm up, it's another day, nothing I do today will matter to anyone, all that kind of stuff, like all those voices, you know what I mean? Yes. And <clears throat> there's so many times throughout my life that for whatever reason, whether it's self-pity or just lack of a plan, I think it's usually lack of a plan, but sometimes I'll get to this like cynical place where I'll feel like um, my moments of happiness are are not like those other people's. They're like they're like a um, they're like a fake version of the kind of happiness that other people have. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And even when I have a good moment, that's not like a real good moment like other people have. It's like that 
that there's this like cynicism of allowing a good thing, a kind of cynicism of allowing a joy or allowing peace. Now I'm sure you, you could go on for, you know, ages uh, with a therapist or whatever, and I intend to, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, yeah. but that cynicism towards, uh, gratitude and this association that I have, and I think a lot of people have, I have a kind of association between, um, cynicism and, uh, safety. And I was just getting ready to say a lot of people, including myself, always waiting for the hammer to fall. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though it's good now, like I, you know, you talk to some people, they say beautiful day today. Yeah. And then they'd say, yeah, but tomorrow it's going to rain. You know, it's that thing where you always think, and I've had these thoughts a lot, like, and I, you're my son. I've had these thoughts where, yeah, it's good now, but I can't let it be that good because it's going to rain tomorrow. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just waiting for the hammer to fall. The, the, the next you know, calamity to kind of show up. Yeah. It's almost like, it's weird. It's almost like, why am I worried about that or planning for that? And uh, that's a question I've had at different times. And Yeah, you know, so something that, yeah. that I read to you the other day, but I, I pulled it up here again, was the, the kind of psychology of learned helplessness, which is yeah. this idea that when you're, usually when you're young, a, a like traumatic thing keeps happening to you and you can't get out of it. You legitimately can't get out of it. So then, even if it might seem small to the outside world, something in your home usually, right. something traumatic is happening in your home, right. and you cannot get out of it. Yes. So then you grow up with this deep uh, feeling that certain kinds of pain cannot be dealt with. That, yeah. that you, you just learn this way of coping that is to go around or to avoid or to mm -hmm. just give in to this dark belief that there's nothing I can do about this feeling. Right. And uh, it usually comes from a legitimate moment when that was the case. And that's what's so painful about it is that it doesn't, it is deeply ingrained because it, it usually ties to a moment when that was, that was the truth. But we can, you know, we can go through our whole life feeling like it's still true now. It's almost like you get run what you're describing to me. And I've had this when I was younger is you get run into a place of being really alone. And I guess that might have some roots to loneliness that might be tied to that. That that learned helplessness is just, you know, has something to do with loneliness too. I mean, I just, when I feel like there's no, what you described, there was no uh, remedy for something that was really bothering me. It caused me to be to myself to a point where and I had this as a young, they say that by the age of 12, you either see the world as a safe place or as a dangerous place. Yeah. And I think I grabbed the whole dangerous place thing and, and that, you know, I take responsibility for that, but I did, that's the way I seen it. And, but yeah, I had that and I'm real grateful for the, the people in my life that helped me, I guess, cross some bridges where I didn't, I was able to do it. And you were one too, with something that a compulsive thought I had, you helped kind of shut that thing down. And one, with just one short discussion, it shut that whole thing down. Yeah. And it's cool. There is really is a way to shine light on things that if you are that person out there and you feel like, man, I, I just feel helpless. Well, You'd be amazed if you open up a little bit, maybe have a discussion on the topic, 
with people that really care about you, how there's some light that could get shined on it. And that's what happened with me. That one day, I was just, we were just in passing, and you mentioned some stuff about something. I don't know why I brought it up that day, but you just almost, it just bounced off you, and I watched, and as it bounced off you, it bounced off me. And yeah. so that was good. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, yeah, I think it ties to this feeling that sometimes, you know, a person in your life will have turned the knife and you didn't, you didn't, at that time you didn't even know they had a knife, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then after that you just go, well, that will never happen to me again. I don't know what else will happen in life, but I'll never be taken like that again. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also all this like guilt and stuff about not being able to, you know, stand up for yourself back then and all that stuff. Right. And and that stuff has no logic, right? So even if you're, if it's something that happened when you're five years old and, you know, the other person was an adult and there's absolutely nothing you could do about that, the, your brain doesn't care if it's logical or not. Um, and and God uses all that too, you know what I mean? There's, it's, we can't do God's math or, or look at the cards in his hand, but for whatever reason, um, you know, these lots of uh, painful things do happen in almost every person's life and um, it gives you a different kind of, it can give you a different kind of um, ability to to speak to someone that uh, if you've never been to those places, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't know their life, you know? And, yeah, and I think uh, this these recordings, and I don't think we need to step too far away from maybe a takeaway being Andre Agassi and all them realizing, hey, all this supposed happiness from a victory only lasts a very short while yeah i think that's a takeaway right there and you know because I, I like you said i always thought other people's happiness let's take his happiness it's way above mine you yeah. know what i mean yeah. <laughs> he's andre agassi you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. But, but no it's very good point and you know there's you know a lot of this is worth unpacking so that you, we can at least put the conversation on the table i think what it says is yeah. that we should elevate small um smaller goals that build to bigger goals meaning some like goal that you might want to do today or this week or this month that we should mm -hmm. elevate the status of that knowing that at the end of that you'll have you might have three hours of happiness yeah. and, and if you're going to have three hours of happiness then it might be better to elevate a, a lot of small goals. That's good. Than just one big one 10 years from now. That's good. Like I could set a goal today, like a, a business goal I have, just this one that I could achieve, you know, yeah. go to a certain number of customers today, do a certain goal, and then I celebrate it tonight. Yes. For three hours, I have Wednesday night, three hour celebration, you know? Right. <laughs> then tomorrow, I have Thursday night, three hour celebration. Yeah. Right, That's pretty and good. so, yeah. and the reason I think one of the things that would keep me from a thing like that, there are a couple, there are many things, but one is like ego, that like yeah. I feel embarrassed to celebrate a small thing. I just feel like there's some like dark yeah. way in which I'm either too insecure or too uh, arrogant or both. It's usually both, um, and for those, for for these weird twisted reasons. I can't, I, I often would struggle to have, to unironically celebrate a small thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. I think it's not pure arrogance, like, oh, I'm too good for that. I think it's more that, it's back to this, like, feeling of safety, that, like, if, if I celebrate small things, uh, will I, will I not 
uh, attain the bigger things or something like that. So there's this like fear underneath it. Yes. And and I think yeah. this is one of the things that, that gets a little better as you get older is that eventually you go, no, 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 life is going by. Yes. So learn how, <laughs> learn how to experience yes. it because it's going by, right? Right. Um, but yeah, but to let go of ego and, and, and fear of the future and all that stuff yeah. and say, and to unironically enjoy something, uh, something that you really, uh, to, to unironically allow a small victory at the end of today or the end of this week or at the end of this month or whatever. But to to place a lot of those into your life, um, and you know maybe you don't even really know. This is a weird thing that I felt before, where I didn't even really know what I liked. Like I didn't know what I yes. would reward myself with. Yeah. Uh, which is not an easy thing either. But right. Um, you know sometimes you'll. I guess one of the ways is, and we won't get into all that because that's all the temperaments and all that stuff. But one of the ways would be like, what's something that you could talk about forever, like w way beyond what people would want to hear. That's a good <laughs> indicator, maybe. Or, um, you know, what things kind of like energize you when you're when you're done with them. But yes. little, but placing small rewards in your day or in your week uh, as being a very key part of not living with resentment. Because if if you're listening to this, you're probably the type of person that um, is a little bit more on the the realist side or whatever. And so. Yeah. Um, this kind of thing is actually, it can feel very like, I don't know, it can feel very like feel good BS or something like that, this to reward yeah. yourself and all that. Yeah. But it's, but if you think about it in a colder way, it's like when you do not reward yourself, when you do not have small mm -hmm. victories throughout the week, throughout the month, the people around you do pay for that. They do pay for your resentment. They do pay for your jadedness. They pay f because of your cynicism. I was going to say that, you know, all the people, I've been a big family growing up and my brothers being real close. Every time I said I was going to go to Helen on the weekend and for a long weekend or something, they'd always get excited for me. Yeah. Like their excitement was more than mine. <laughs> like there's something about people enjoy yeah. the fact that you're enjoying something. Yeah. If you're close to them. And I, I always yeah. thought that was so interesting. And I, it almost put me on assignment. Like I got to make sure I'm enjoying my life. It's, it's meaning something to other people. Yeah. So yeah, I, I still feel like I'm on that assignment. Alright guys, there it is. So as we go into this new year, may this one innovation, this idea that no matter what goal you achieve, that you will probably only feel happiness for about three hours. That may that direct us as we decide on what goals to make, and may we not, may I, not be too good to aim for enjoying lots of small goals as we build towards the bigger ones. I love you guys.